we praise the name of the Lord our God the one who was the one who is and the one who is to come there is none like you and you will not share your glory with another God thank you that you are above all things completely transcendent yet completely imminent right here right now desiring and seeking out true worshipers to worship you in spirit and in truth and God may you find it may you find them here hearts that desire you hearts that seek you hearts that love you hearts that want to want you more hearts that want to know how to love you more that are ready to receive your word now to come under it to be taught by it to be corrected by it lord forgive us our pride lord if there's any of that in our hearts right now we just lay it down at the foot of the cross of jesus christ And God, may we be teachable and willing to learn and to receive and to grow and ultimately to be blessed. To be blessed by you. You will oppose the proud, but you will give grace to the humble. And so God, be with my mouth right now. May every word that is uttered not be of me. I have nothing to say without you, Father. I confess it and I need you so much. I need you so much. Lord, I need you. Help us. Help us today, Lord. Give your power, give your strength. And may you do a deep saving and sanctifying work in your church today for the glory of your name. Oh, your bride, Lord, so precious to you. May it be so to us. We pray in Jesus' name. If you agree, all God's people said, amen, amen. Church, you may be seated. You may be seated. Well, praise the Lord for his work in his church Week after week, I pray it is the same for you, but as we see God doing more and more and growing his church and growing his people and transforming us from one degree of glory to the next, more into his image, it is so humbling to see, so powerful to see, and yet we ask him so boldly to ask to give us more, more of himself. And that is what this series we are currently in is all about. God's glory in the church, pressing on towards the goal and seeing God's glory in the church. And we are looking at the four pillars of our church. You'll see them on either side of the sanctuary here today. All built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So far we've looked at pillar number one, unapologetic preaching two weeks ago. Last week, unashamed worship from John 4. And this week, we are on unceasing prayer. And that is believing firmly in the power of prayer. And, and before we dive into that, I have a, a very important question for you. And, and to not sugarcoat it at all, let's just say what it is. It's one of the most important questions of your life you will ever be asked in your life. And the answer to this question so much hinges on it about your walk with the Lord, about your ability to battle the enemy in the spiritual warfare that we face literally every moment of every day. And the question is this, what is your belief in the power of prayer? We talked about a prayer night coming up on Wednesday. What is your belief in the power of prayer? I mean, does your life show a firm belief in the power of prayer. And you see, you say, well, why is that so important? Why is that one of the most important questions? Here's why. Here's why. Whether we realize it or not, church, you and I, individually, our families, our church collectively and corporately, 
are engaged in the greatest battle of our lives every day. Whether you realize it or not, it is literally the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of darkness, good versus evil, life versus death. And here's, here's the result is that souls are literally hanging in the balance of this. And this is every day, every moment. And the problem that we face is that most believers and even entire churches are fighting this battle the wrong way with powerless means. They're fighting it the wrong way. They think if we, if we do more programs, if we provide more opportunities, if we just get the next six strategies for how to grow a church, that it's going to somehow be a threat to the enemy. Let me tell you, it's not. Then he's like, please do that. Waste your time on that. Waste your resources on that. Those programs could be good, but they're never the main thing. We're fighting it the wrong way. Because here's the truth. This hit me this week in preparation. Programs may influence the mind of man, but only prayer moves the heart of God. Programs may influence the mind of man, but only prayer moves the heart of God, loved ones. That's it. And for whatever reason, in God's wisdom and sovereignty, which is so far above our own, he has chosen, repeat this, he's chosen so often to limit his power to the prayers of his people. Call on me and I will answer. You will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. E.M. Bounds a great Methodist clergy and wrote 11 books on prayer. If you've never read any books from E.M. Bounds, I highly recommend this. Beautiful. He said this. He says, prayer is our most, get this, prayer is our most formidable weapon. But the one in which we are the least skilled and the most averse or opposed to its use. And as a result of this, we see churches dying. How many did I say? Do you remember from the very first message in this series? 3,000 churches close a year in North America. 85% of churches are in plateau or in decline. And churches are dying. Families literally being torn apart. Pride is rampant through unchecked sin. Addictions are increasing. I mean, just look around the world. Look what's happening. And yet the most formidable weapon that God has given us so often lays dormant in our own hearts and in our churches. Because the bottom line is this, and I said this earlier, without prayer, we're dead. That's it. Without prayer, we are dead. And let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because that answers that question I asked earlier for you. And why is this? I mean, why, why the focus on prayer that, that God consistently through his word? This isn't a one-off verse. This is all throughout the canon of scripture. Why does God command and exhort his people to pray? Because this, look at Ephesians 6.12. And if you do not have a Bible with you, put up your hand right now because it's really important you have a Bible in front of you today, okay? Make sure, put your hand up nice and high and our ushers are going to come and put one right in your lap. And if you do not have one at home, 
Keep that as a gift for you. We would love for you to be studying that on your own. Put your hands up nice and high. Ephesians 6, 12. Ephesians chapter 6, 12 says this. Read with me. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And in our text from Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul is writing in the context of spiritual warfare. And after having written about each piece of spiritual armor that we are to put on in the preceding verses here, and called to take up each day, he gives us our ultimate call to battle of the necessity of prayer, from which, by the way, every other one of those pieces of spiritual armor is an outflow from. And Paul gives us in verse 18, which is the hub of our text today on unceasing prayer, he gives us the three crucial actions we must commit if we are to unleash the supernatural power of prayer and be victorious in the battles we face. Let's read. And we're going to get some context here. This is so important. So let's go from verse 13. Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, our hub. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You see, church, to unleash the power of prayer, we must pray constantly and in the spirit. Look at 18, the first part of 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. See, Paul instructs the believers in, in Ephesus, both individually and corporately, to not cease being in prayer in literally, you see that at all times, in literally every opportunity they have because he knew this, and we need to know this today, loved ones. He knew that the enemy is always looking for a foothold or opportunity to get into the life of a believer or a church and wreak havoc. He's always looking. Don't believe me? 1 Peter 5.8. It says the devil prowls around looking like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And you think about that picture, right? When you think of a lion pride going after its dinner, do they go after the strongest ones? They go after the weak first. Prowls around looking for someone to devour. Constant prayer. And that, that term there, in the spirit, it's not talking about speaking in tongues as we traditionally thought of it as such, but it's the Greek for being submitted to the Holy Spirit. Praying with the Holy Spirit. In intimacy. To pray in the Holy Spirit means to pray in step with what he is already praying for each believer, which is the will of God, 
over their lives. How do we know that? Romans 8.26, you'll see it on the screen. It says this, Likewise, the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, helps us. Isn't that amazing? Love that. Helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according, see that? According to the will of God. You see, prayer is designed for us to join him in that, praying God's will over ourselves, and we'll see later, for others. And not only to join him in that, but praying in the Spirit means you're being empowered. He's giving you his power, a supernatural power, by him, given to you in it. That's awesome. And that word there, notice it says, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. What does that term supplication mean? Well, the Greek there means a heartfelt petition. This is a genuine desire. Not like, hey God, would you please give me this? But a heartfelt petition or desire arising out of a deep or personal need. These aren't just flippant requests that a prideful, selfish, or half-hearted heart makes, but they are genuine requests made submissively in the Holy Spirit, asking the Lord for his will for our lives with the needs that we have. Asking the Lord for his will, not our own, in the needs that we have. The truth is this, why Paul emphasizes praying constantly in the Spirit is that, here's why he says, why is praying in the Spirit so important? And you'll start to get a picture of that when you look at that picture up there. Why is praying in the Spirit so important? Because here's the reality, church, without the Holy Spirit, prayer is like trying to run a car with no engine in it. There's no engine in it. And it may look good. Look, that looks like a sweet car. Where's Steve? Steve loves cars like that. That's a sweet car. It looks good. It smells really good. It can look really powerful. It can be all flashy. But guess what? No power in it. That's not moving. There's no power. Such is prayer without the Holy Spirit. And just as a car is dependent on its engine for power, prayer, you see, the car is dependent on the engine. Well, guess what prayer is? Prayer is a declaration of our dependence upon God and the massive need we have for his power and presence in our lives. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a declaration of our dependence on God. So take that the other way. What is prayerlessness? Our declaration of our independence from him. Don't need you, God. I got this. I got this. I can handle this. Mm, Time out. Time out. Because here's the truth, loved ones. A life or a church without spirit-filled prayer is a life or church without power. A life, a church, a family without spirit-filled prayer is a life without power. No prayer in the spirit no power of the Spirit. That's the way it goes. No engine in the car, doesn't move. John 15, 5, how do we know this? How do we know this? Well, praise the Lord, Jesus tells us. John 15, 5, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. The car's not going to move. You're not going to see victory in those things without praying 
in the power of God himself through the Holy Spirit. And Paul says to be praying constantly in the Spirit because you and I can never... Here's the reality, loved ones. It's the summer coming up, right? And we like to take summer vacations. And for all too far, many of us, uh, taking a vacation from work often means taking a vacation from God. But here's the reality. You and I can never take downtime on prayer and expect to see God's power in our lives. You just can't. We're not meant to. We're not designed for that. We are designed to be completely dependent upon him. We can't take down time in prayer and expect to see his power in our lives. You can t- Here's the reality. You can take down time in prayer and the reality is you're going to get your downtime because you are going to go down. Guaranteed. The enemy is not dumb. You'll get your downtime because you will go down. You remove prayer, you remove God. Remove prayer from your church, remove God from your church. Remove prayer from your family, remove God from your family. Remove prayer from your marriage, remove God from your marriage. That's why he says pray constantly in the spirit because we're completely dependent on him. And especially, like, you notice this? In those unguarded moments. That's why he says, pray constantly. Don't stop praying. Especially in those unguarded moments. You're walking in the shopping mall. You guys know what I'm talking about. You're walking in the shopping mall. And you see the billboard. Start praying. You're driving in your car. Your entertainment choices and what you're watching in the movies. What you're surfing online. What you're doing when no one's watching. When you take the business trips, pray constantly because the devil is constantly on the prowl. And we are dependent on the Holy Spirit or we are done. We can't handle what's coming on our own. And here's, here's the truth. I heard this this week and it's so true. The devil will always find work for idle hands and idle thoughts. The devil will always find work for idle hands and idle thoughts. Prayer in the spirit is essential if we are to fight this battle victoriously. And you say, okay, so there it is, prayer in the spirit. But what does this look like? How do we pray in the spirit? Well, if we're going to pray in the spirit, we must pray first in God's power. In God's power. To pray in the power of the spirit, it must come from having God's power within us, which comes through having a personal relationship with God's son, Jesus Christ, who became a man and was sent to earth and went to the cross for us, that as we surrender our lives to him, confess our sin, and put our faith, trust in him alone, he fills us with the Holy Spirit upon that moment of salvation, and he says, here you go, put the engine in the car, let's go. He fills us, but we, if we don't have Jesus Christ as our savior in our lives, if we don't have a personal relationship with him, we don't have the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to pray in the spirit. I love Ephesians 3, 14 to 16. You'll see it on the screen. It says this, for this reason, Paul says, For praying in God's power, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the rich, love this, love this. Here's what's waiting for the person who has surrendered their life to Christ. 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the spirit in your inner being. Upon salvation, he gives us his spirit. And you notice, if I, if I went, here's the thing though, if I went around this room right now, if I just went downtown Ottawa, say on Canada Day, and I just asked one simple question, do you pray? Probably most people would say yes. Probably most people would say yes. They've said a prayer to God in a trial or in a circumstance or something they were going through. Yeah, I pray. And we look around this world, you look at the news, you look at movies even, and so many people are crying out to God in this world. They're crying out to him. Lord, help. Lord, I need you. And he's like, I want to help you. I want to help you. But will you surrender your life to me so I can? So I can show you my glory, so I can show you my power, so I can be your ever-present help in times of trouble. Will you? Yet there's no power in these prayers because they don't have the power of the one true God through Jesus Christ to strengthen them. And you see so many different religions all over the world crying out to their gods and yet Acts 4.12 says there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life. One way. To pray faithfully in the power of God, one must have a personal relationship with God. Simple truth. And, and loved ones, I just have to stop and say, if you're here today and you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's like, I'm waiting for you. Come home. Come home. And know my power. Know my love for you that I'm waiting to fill you with if you would humble yourself before me. That can be today. You don't have to have your life together to do that. He came because he knew we couldn't have our life together on our own. If we are to pray in the spirit, we must pray first in God's power. Secondly, we must pray from God's word. We must pray from God's word. See, to pray in the spirit, here's the thing. To pray in the spirit is to pray God's word. Why? How do we know this? Let's just look at 2 Peter 1. I'll just read it for you. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy, that's no truth in scripture, comes from someone's own interpretation. That means there's no man who made this stuff up. Anything in the Bible. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Why is to pray in the Spirit? To pray God's word? Because the Spirit wrote the book. He knows what we should be praying. To faithfully pray the word of God is to... Because here's the reality. To faithfully pray the word of God is to faithfully pray the will of God. And that's the number one question I get so often. What's God's will for me? What's God's will in this situation? What is God's will here? It's in his book. Amen. Amen. The will of God is the word of God. 
We don't have to try to find some visionary, you know, 10-step strategy to find it. The will of God is the word of God. I love how Ian Bounds goes on to say, the word of God is the fulcrum, the centerpiece, the fulcrum upon which the lever of prayer is placed and by which things are mightily moved. The word of God is the fulcrum upon which the lever of prayer is placed. And you say, well, how do I, how do I pray the word of God? Well, praise the Lord. You open it, you read a verse, and you say, Lord, help me to pray this to you right now. There's no 10-step strategy. Open it, see it, pray it. Now you're starting to tap into the Spirit's power and praying God's will for yourself, your kids, your families, your workplace, your church, it's not, it's not any more simple than that. And you say, well, wait a second. Why do, we, why do we need to be praying God's word? I mean, there's so many things we can pray. Listen, praying in the spirit is praying God's word. Here's what's the power in this. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active. This isn't just, as we said, it's just not someone's own interpretation. This is the power of God itself. Man, this is the most tangible piece of eternity that we have. It is the power of God at work, living and active. And here's what it does. I did a quick list. These are just a few things that I started praying through this portion of the message. Here's what God's word does when we pray it. It inspires. It inspires our prayers with faith in God's promises. Hey, hey, do you know how many promises approximately are in God's word? 3,000. 3,000 promises God has given his people to be prayed and stood on in faith. But we can't be praying them if we don't know what they are. It inspires. When you get a hold of God's word, you get a hold of a promise, you start praying, you get inspired, your faith increases because the living and active word of God starts to make you living and active as you get into it. Oh, yes. Approximately 3,000. Here's go. It inspires. It instructs. God's word instructs us when we pray. It instructs our prayers through wisdom and correction. It's not just random thoughts we're praying. Well, what do I pray? Because if we're not praying the word of God, don't you, don't you fall into this pattern of just praying the same things over and over and over again? You're like, I'm bored in prayer. God's word instructs our prayer. It says, pray this. Pray this over your kids. Pray this over your spouse. Pray this in your church. Pray this for your coworkers. Beautiful. I could do a whole sermon series on that. I just love this. Okay, inspires, instructs. Here's the third thing God's word does when we pray it. It infuses. It infuses his word onto our hearts. It infuses his word. What does that mean? It presses God's word into our hearts. You ever been in one of those conversations? And you've been talking with that person or praying with that person. All of a sudden, a scripture will come to mind. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You he presses God's word into your heart so that when you're praying with your coworker, when you're praying over your kids, when you're praying with your spouse, he brings that to mind because that's his will for them. Right? So it inspires, it instructs, it infuses. Here's the next thing it does. It influences. It influences our prayers for fruitfulness. Why? Because we are praying what God wants us to pray. 
We are praying what God wants us to pray so it influences the fruitfulness of our prayer. And lastly, inspires, instructs, infuses, influences. Here it is, it ignites. God's word ignites a passion for the heart of God in us. It is a hammer against apathy and pride and indifference and it crushes it. As God's word ignites a passion in our hearts, when we come before the Lord, earnestly seek him and say, Lord, I need you. Love it. To pray in the spirit, we must pray in God's power. We must pray from God's word and we must pray thirdly for God's glory. For God's glory. We pray at all times because here's the reality. God wants glory in every single thing we do. He wants glory in your thought life. He wants glory when you're walking at the mall. He wants glory when you're cutting your grass. He wants glory when you're at a restaurant with your friends. He wants glory in at all times. So we pray all times for God's glory. Because here's the reality, and this may be a newsflash. It just it was so cutting to me again this week, so convicting. The main focus of our prayers was never meant to be us. The main focus of our prayers was never meant to be you and me. We were never meant to be the main focus. And this is the prayer that God loves to hear the most. Ready? Ready? If it will bring you the most glory with my children for this, if it will bring you the most glory in my marriage, I ask you for this. If it will bring you the most glory in our church, I ask you for this. God, show me your glory. Exodus 33, 18. We sang it this morning. So beautiful. If it will bring you the most glory that we have children, I ask for this. If it will bring you the most glory that I get a spouse, I ask for this. If it will bring you the most, what is it for you? God, show me your glory. See, praying for God's glory says this. You must increase, I must decrease. Here's my desire, Lord. Here's my desire. We're not like, okay, I won't ask for anything. No, you don't have because you don't ask. But here's my desire. Here's what's on my heart. But strengthen me to want your will and your glory more than that. That's praying in the spirit. Praying for God's glory and not your own. So how about you? How about me? Are we failing to see God working because we're failing to pray? Or because we pray mostly about selfish stuff? our own glory. Because to unleash the power of prayer, we must pray constantly in the spirit. And from that, we must pray watchfully with perseverance. Look at the next part of verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Here it is. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. See, Paul says that based on what has just been said for our need to be praying constantly in the Holy Spirit, we are to be praying watchfully. That word watchful means means vigilant, alert, on the lookout for each opportunity to pray in the battle we are in. And that word all perseverance, love this. The Greek for all perseverance says pray with every kind of effort, conviction, and vigilance that the Spirit of God gives you. Effort, vigilance, passion. The battle, and, and here's the reality, loved ones. 
the battle, this battle is not a one-time, one-day, or one-year battle, but it's a lifetime. That's why Paul says, pray with perseverance. Keep going. Your labor is not in vain. And this is why praying in the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit is crucial because without him giving us the strength and capacity for it, we are going to quit. We're just going to quit. Prayer is so often the first thing to go and the last thing we go to. We're going to quit without his strength because you and I can't do this. We will not persevere on our own. It is as we sang, in Christ alone, this is possible. That's why having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and being filled with the Spirit is absolutely crucial and where everything starts. I mean, can't you hear, loved ones? Can you hear Paul saying right here? Hey, church, church, don't fall asleep on this imperative. Do not fall asleep on this, church. Be on the lookout. Be on guard for areas that must be fought in the battleground of prayer because your efforts are fruitless without me. Your efforts are fruitless without the Spirit. Be clear thinking. Victory in that area depends on it. Victory over, over your kids. Victory in your marriage. Be clear thinking, loved ones. Don't just offer up half-hearted utterances, but pray in the Spirit with a clear mind and heart. That is literally, this picture came to me today, and I tried to find a picture of it. I couldn't, so you just got to do your best here. Pray with a heart that is literally an armory for the truth of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I love that picture. Is your heart, is mine, an armory of God's weapons of our warfare? that we can draw on in prayer in the battles that we face. He's like, persevere in it. Is it an armory for that more than anything else? See, because the reality is this. Way too many Christians are sleepwalking. That's the reality. Way too many so-called Christians are sleepwalking while the enemy picks apart their marriages their families, their relationships, their churches, their nation, even their own hearts full of fear, worry, anxiety. Where have, this hit me this week, where have the prayer warriors and the watchmen gone? You know, I see our kids and I see our nation. I love our nation so much. But I see the heritage that is being left for them and what they will face growing up. And my question is, where are the prayer warriors and the watchmen? Those who are standing on guard and see what's happening and fall to their knees to persevere in prayer and do something about it and take God's word seriously in Jeremiah 33, 3, where he says, call to me and I will show you great and hidden things you do not know. Call to me, because the reality is this, when our faith ceases to pray, our faith ceases to live. When our faith ceases to pray, our faith ceases to live. So how about you, church? How about me? How about us together, family? Love you. How about us? We're in it together are you personally, are we as a church taking up this call to prayer in your individual life and corporately? And here's the gauge. Here's, here's one gauge. I always use for a church. 
who comes to the prayer meeting? Are we taking up the mantle that God commands us to? See, these prayer nights, loved ones, it's not just something on the calendar. These are the most important nights of our church and for sure the greatest battleground in our church. This is where the victory's won. And I unashamedly say, as I said this in Harvest Essentials yesterday, I'll say it again, I unashamedly call this church to pray. Wednesday night, 7.30 to 9, lock it in. Without hesitation, knowing what's at stake, knowing the battle that we face, and this is just a glimpse of it, I call this church to pray. To do what you need to do to do that. Because as I said, God will often choose to limit his power to the prayers of his people. And Father's Day, so I was praying this day with some of our leadership team this week. I'm like, so what can we get our dads for Father's Day? You know, we got flowers for moms. And what can we do for our dads? And And then it hit me. The greatest gift that I can give you today is this. Men, married, single. On this Father's Day, here's your gift. I call you to take up the mantle of perseverance in prayer over your wives, over your children, over your church, over your workplace. We are called by God to lead in this and it is the greatest battle you will ever fight. There's the gift of exhortation to you. That is the most loving thing I can give you today. The call to fight. The enemy, don't you notice this, loved ones? The enemy works so hard to take this fight out of us, doesn't he? He works so hard at it and to get us to fall asleep with distractions of entertainment, busyness, comfort, fear. And instead of persevering in prayer for the heart of God, we settle for persevering for ourselves, our own wants and own desires, which leaves us powerless. See, the devil knows that perseverance in Christ unleashes the power of Christ. Don't quit. Don't quit. Perseverance in Christ unleashes the power of Christ in his time and in his way. We will see it if we do not give up. But we give up far too quickly. So what is it for you, loved ones? I had to examine my own heart in this this week so much. What is it for you? What is it for me? What has distracted you from keeping alert and persevering in prayer? Whether it's your finances, businesses, fear, anxiety, worry, possessions, entertainment, media, hobbies, social relationships, you name it, just insert it. What is it for you that's distracting you from persevering and interceding for the lives of others? What, and, and here's the thing. You don't have to sit there and be like, oh, I'm terrible at prayer. Listen, listen. There's grace in Jesus Christ and there's power available in him. So here's the question I'm going to ask. What is a step you know you need to take today to make this a priority? What's one step, one thing that's distracting you that you're like, spirit, show me, and he will, because he wants it for you. To unleash the power of prayer, we must pray constantly in the spirit, watchfully with perseverance. And lastly, sacrificially on behalf of others. Look at verse 18, the end of verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Here it is. Making supplication for all the saints. See that word supplication, second time used. And just a reminder, it's a deep heartfelt petition. 
It's a deep heartfelt petition, not only in the first time for yourselves, but now who's he asking us to do that same petition for this case on behalf of brothers and sisters in Christ, both in the local church and in the universal church around the world who are enduring trials, suffering, hardships. Hey, just, just a quick show of hands. Maybe this is just me. Anyone here going through a trial? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone just me? Yeah, okay. Would any of you like someone to pray for you on that? This room is full of them. Let's not come to church trying to be all packaged, loved ones. The church, my house, shall be a house of prayer. And Paul emphasizes the focus of prayer is never meant to be all about oneself, but about the petitioning of the Lord for his will on behalf of others. E.M. Bounds, you'll see it on the screen, says this, prayer with so many of us is simply a form of selfishness. It means asking for something for ourselves and nothing more. Just think for a moment. Just think. I was so sobered by this truth. I had to repent this week in preparation for this. Just think, how many of the prayers we pray are really about ourselves and getting what we want? Even when we pray on behalf of others. Lord, I pray for my kids that they'll behave. That's really about you. I pray for my spouse that they'll change. Yeah, that's really about you. See? See? It happens so subtly. Right? So subtly. And contrast that with how often we put the needs of others ahead of ourselves. Fighting in prayer. And so is it wrong? Is it wrong, loved ones, to take our supplications and petitions for ourselves to God? No, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. However, God's beautiful design of prayer is that as we petition the Lord on behalf of our brothers and sisters and seek his will and glory over their lives, our, you know what the beautiful thing is? When we're going through that trial, our eyes come off ourselves. This is beautiful. Our eyes come off ourselves and our heart, our heart is in tune with the heart of God and God mercifully gives us his heart for others as we serve them this way. It comes off ourselves. And God gives us our heart for others. That leads to worship. So you say, well, what is the impact of this? And we're going to close out with this. What is the impact of this? What would our lives or this church look like if we took this command seriously? What would our families look like if we took this command to pray sacrificially on behalf of others look like? Here, four things. At the bottom, humility. Humility towards one another in Christ. You before me. You before me. God promises to bless this. James 4, 6, he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's why humility is at the bottom. That's not a slide glitch because it has to start there. Humbling ourselves before God and before each other to say, you, God before me, you before me. Secondly, what does it look like? Support of one another. Serving one another as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. When you humble yourself before each other, you can't help but start to support one another as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And I was so blessed this week when I made a phone call to someone in this church just to check in on them. And I had heard that there were two families in this church who had come over and helped stock their fridge because of sickness and death that was going on and helped to care for them. I love that. 
But that's what happens when you humble yourself before the Lord and each other. It's not about you anymore. And then you're free to start supporting others because your eyes are off yourself and they're on the Lord. Thirdly, what does it do? Humility leads to support. Support leads to unity. Unity with one another. It aligns our hearts to God's and to one another in the spirit. That's what the spirit does. Psalm 133, how good and pleasing it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity for there the blessing of the Lord is commanded. Awesome. Lastly, humility leads to support. Support leads to unity. And unity leads to love for one another. Love for one another. As Christ sacrificed his life for us on the cross in the greatest act love of all time, we too now in his power can lay our lives down in love for one another. This is how the world knows we are his. Laying our lives down in love for one another. It's not about me. So who is it that God, church, who is it that God has put around you to be praying for right now? You saw some hands raised. Who is it that God has put around you in this church, in your families, other believers? Are you growing? Are you growing in humility, support, unity, and love for your brothers and sisters here in this church? If not, ask yourself, am I making prayer for them a priority? And why not start today? Right after this service, there's going to be prayer partners up here. Keep, just come. My house shall be a house of prayer. Turn to each other in the chairs and start praying for each other. All right? Why not start today? One of my favorite things I get to see each week with our servant leadership team and, I, and every single person I email I always includes something on the bottom of the email. Do you know what it is, loved ones? Prayed for you today. Every time. And there's a reason for that because it's true. Because that is the same as saying, love you. Love you. And this is what the body of Christ was meant to be. And one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is the ability to fight in prayer together, church. That is one of the greatest gifts God has given us. Not fight against each other. Not murmur and complain, but to fight together. This is the fruit of the power of prayer as it is unleashed. Praying constantly in the spirit, watchfully with perseverance, and sacrificially on behalf of others. We fall on our knees together so we can stand in victory together. How will you respond to this today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this truth this morning. And God, that's one verse in your word. That's just one verse. God, there's so much power in your word. I thank you so much, God, that you call us to pray and for the privilege, and it is by the mercy of God we are able to do so in Jesus Christ. God, I pray for this church, those that are hurting and need prayer today, God, that they would receive it by brothers and sisters coming around them, but also they would be givers of that for others, Lord, as we pray for your will with your spirit, for your glory, in your power. God, I pray for those who are here and have never confessed you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day they would see there is no true lasting hope, there is no true lasting peace or power or healing without Jesus Christ. God, may it be so today. Help us, Lord. Help us. Our flesh will not go there. We need your help. Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.